Okay, my friends, it is that time again. What time is it? It's time for another... Another indefectible episode <laughs> of V8 In- Radio, Kevin. Indefectible episode of V8 Radio, which is different from infectable. Correct. And I hear there's a vaccine for this. Yes. <laughs> Hope you're up to speed on your penicillin. What the heck does indefectible mean? Uh, you know, without defect, it's perfect. Just like us, man. Oh, right on. <laughs> well, yeah. just no, speaking No of, defects. Speaking of us, I'm your host, Kevin Oste, joined, as always, by our esteemed co-host, Mr. Mike Cuball-Clark. And uh, this is VA Radio, and it's a podcast that is a show that is generally about automotive topics and and who knows what. And, uh, you know, part of the fun thing about this show is that we do a little bit of a trivia question. Uh, And and I've realized, I've been saying all this time we do a trivia question. In fact, we do two. You just got double the fun, kids. (laughs) Double. <laughs> we over-deliver the trivia question, uh, in which I present one to Mike, and uh, Mr. Q responds with his own. So did you uh, did you land on a, on a trivia question for this episode? I did land on one, yes, sir. And it is an indefectible question. Oh, I bet it is. Yeah. All right. Let's, let's, uh, let's let it out of the gate here. Let's All right, Kevin. Short- yes, it is. Yeah, get your vaccine needles ready. All right. <laughs> this one's... Uh, <laughs> Short, sweet, and to the point. What year saw the first introduction of the automotive airbags, sir? Airbag. Oh, airbags. <laughs> Couple of airbags right here. Listen, you're listening. <laughs> yeah, to folks. yeah, yeah. And the hot airbags. We crash often. Mm-hmm. Um, well, it's my understanding that, that was a that was there was kind of a space race going on for airbags. It was between General Motors and Mercedes Benz. And I know that uh, as early as 59 or 60, General Motors had airbags that they were in in testing. And Mm. and Mercedes-Benz had them, I think, in production around that time. Is this the production version or the test version? Um, Oh, man. Don't don't answer my question with a question, (laughs) sir. (laughs) This is my only chance to... Establish that I know maybe a little bit about what the heck I'm talking about when truly uh, I don't. Um, that, that's my act of subterfuge there. Um, gosh dang it! I'm so was your say... was your question that when they first went into production? Yeah. All right. Yeah. So the, so the introduction it, of the airbags. So, okay. It, it's know, also we're, we're... it's my understanding that when they when they developed this technology, it was quite some time before they went mm-hmm. into production. And production to me means the introduction, so that's yes. how, that's how I'm going to define it. Yes, we we are in agreement on that. All right, so I, I, I and, and for a bonus, sir, we're going to let you give us the uh, the um, making the car line model. That, uh, I'm sure we are. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, I'm going to say <laughs> that's ni- how we do, folks. That's how we do. I know. I'm going to say 1971 Mercedes Benz was the first. Widely available, and the the uh, motivation for me making that guess is uh, again strictly rectally speaking. Oh, rectally, huh? Yeah, because <laughs> if you remember a couple years ago, there was some YouTube video where General Motors actually um, activated an airbag that was installed in like a 61 Impala or something or a 60 really? or 59. Yeah. And they, they did a, a long-term validation test 
to see uh-huh. if one of these things had been packaged up for 40 or 50 or 60 years, uh-huh. would it still activate? Oh. But I believe that that, that uh, supplemental restraint mm-hmm. uh, was way pre-production. I don't think, you know. Okay. Because you and I and anybody else has never seen a 61 Impala with an airbag. Correct. But that European stuff gets a little interesting, and I think early 70s is when it kind of hit the market. So Okay. That's my guess. All right. Kevin says 1971. Our our friends in the Fatherland, <laughs> yes. <of> Mercedes Benz. <laughs> and you see what I do there by putting up enough BS logic. It sounds like I know what I'm talking oh, about. Oh <laughs> man, I'm, I'm I'm damned impressed. I got to tell you. Yeah, it's you all. You know what? I'm going to call that right just because the explanation was so good. <laughs> I'm pre, I am pre. You're a pre winner. This is a pre winner, sir. I'm a pre. <laughs> <laughs> And it's all horse knuckles. Congratulations. Yeah. All right. Well, my question to you is nowhere near as difficult. In fact, we have talked about this on this podcast before oh, and revealed the Christ, answer. Christ, I'm going to get it wrong then. Well, I mean, you might because we didn't put like a lot of uh, stress on it. But here it is. Okay. Uh, because I have the Blues Brothers on the brain, which we'll get into shortly. Yes, we will. What was the 8-track tape cartridge that was in the dashboard of the Bluesmobile when the camera, you know, produced it in a shot? Yeah. And the shot was, uh, interestingly enough, as the Bluesmobile left the Kennedy Expressway in Chicago at the uh, Cumberland Avenue exit, which is in Park Ridge, Illinois, which is where I grew up. And right. there used to be a, there's a, there was a roadway in hotel right there. And at the time it was a, I think a budget rental car facility that they kind of got, that didn't show up in the film, but that's where the cameras were. And today that is the site of a D'Agostino's pizza restaurant in Chicago. Hmm. But that off ramp, um, they showed the car going on the road and they showed the a track cassette tape in the dashboard. And they were listening to some music. What was it? All right. Just, just one second, Kevin. I have to consult uh, my notes here. Yeah, nice. As, as I tap furiously on my keyboard. Yeah. No Googling, man. <laughs> no, 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 never. No, I'm just kidding around. I do remember us talking about this in a past episode, too. We did talk about it in our music episode. Yes. Yes. Where we paved um, new ground. And, and I will remind our listeners that if you've never checked out the music episode, it, it's a different format because it was only available on the v8radio.com website. And what we ended up doing, because we wanted to talk about cars and, and tunes and cars, you know, songs that you used to listen to when you were cruising, but the uh, because of the, you know, the legalities of everything, we didn't have the rights to actually play the music. So we created a YouTube playlist. And if you go to our V8 Radio website and, and seek out this particular episode... It's a recording of Mike and I, and then it's it plays a song from YouTube, mm-hmm. and then it goes back to Mike and I, and that was our way around the the rights issue. And one of the one of the songs in that was from that very eight track cassette. And yeah, um, man, there's 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 really no mealy mouth in this one. You either know it or you don't. <laughs> um. um I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say it was Sam Cooke. 
but I don't know the song. But it, mm. I don't know the the album name. But it was I think it was Sam Cooke in there. Sam Cooke. Yes, sir. Uh, so you're just going with the artist? Just the artist. Yeah, I shoot. I, God, and I'm not even sure about that. But I, there's no way I'm going to guess the name of the uh, of the eight track, uh, right. the record name. Okay. All right. Well, I mean, that's a great guess. I will. Uh, I've noted that. Yeah, I think and it's a plausible guess based on the movie and based on them. As is the 1971 Mercedes yeah. Benz for the uh, very plausible. Yeah. All right. Yeah. As, as long as you can it. justify it with some sort of BS logic, right? You're a winner in my book. <laughs> Thanks, buddy. Another pre-winner, folks. <laughs> pre-winning here. Pre-winner. <laughs> Everybody gets a trophy today. <laughs> Everybody gets a pre-win. <laughs> That's, right. That's great. We were talking about this at lunch the other day at, at the shop, and uh-huh. and it's it's nice because a lot of our our team at the V8 V8 Speed and Resto Shop we eat together at lunch. So uh, we 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 have a. A kitchen, and everybody sits around the table, and we have lunch. And one of the discussions was, "What's the definition of preschool? Why is it preschool? It's school. Preschool to oh. me is four o'clock in the morning. I mean, that's before school, right? right. Yeah. <laughs> so preschool yeah. is still school. It should have just been school. Hmm. Right. A pre-win is you know you <laughs> pre-boarding Maybe an airplane. It's not- it's not necessarily accredited by the states. I don't know. Well, I think the logic is it's it's an activity, a learning experience before full on school. So it was uh-huh. preschool, but before the establishment of your quote permanent record. I, I don't know. Okay. I mean, today I would think that, that stuff's on the record. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Could be. It's like pre-boarding an airplane. To me, pre-boarding an airplane <laughs> yeah. is getting a bag of trail mix and. Taking a leak, getting a magazine. <laughs> yeah. That's all the things you do before you board. Don't bother me. I'm pre-boarding. Right. Leave me alone. Yeah. <laughs> um, excuse me for a minute. I have to go pre-board. Thank you. This All my activities before I'm on the plane are pre-boarding. So driving to the airport is, yeah. is, is pre-boarding activity. Exactly. Exactly. So yeah. If you're boarding the aircraft, you're not pre-boarding. You're boarding. You're on. It's You're yeah. done. You're boarded already. So, uh-huh. yeah. I don't know. George Carlin and I have this shared viewpoint on life, but <laughs> right he's no on. longer with us, so it's my job to carry it's you. it on. <laughs> yeah, the, 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 it falls on you now, sir. That's right. The torch is being carried. Doing a great job. Yeah, thank you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. All right, so moving past trivia, that, that does bring me to our drive-in cruise event, which is coming up in, in August of this year, and we finally landed officially on the Blues Brothers. You and I had talked about this before a little bit, but now it's, uh, it's out there and tickets are available. And uh, if anybody wants to come join us on uh, August 15th, I believe, at the yes, Belleville, Illinois Skyview Drive-In uh we'd love to have you and this is a fun one because not only is the blues brothers a cool movie on so many different aspects i mean it's it's got a lot of car chases it's got a lot of car crashes it's got you know stunts it also has some some awesome awesome blues music Um, but for me as well and we've talked about this before too uh, my dad actually worked on that film in, in limited capacity as a security mm-hmm. guard when he was a police officer. So um, 
we, we put the vote out to the general masses about what they might want to see at the drive-in. And Blues Brothers this year was not number one. It was number three, actually. But the, the other two movies were a little bit risque for, for young kids. And we yeah. certainly want to open this up to you know as many people and families as we can. So that is our winner. And uh, traditionally, at the drive-in cruise event, before the movie we show a special VATV presentation. And in the past couple of years, this is going to be our, our fifth annual. In previous years, it has been a shop tour or mm-hmm. kind of a recap of the past year. Uh, but, but this year, I'm looking forward to telling kind of my personal story with, like we're talking about, having my dad work on the, on the film. And I've got sure. some photos behind the scenes stuff. Uh, that that oh, nobody's right. ever seen because they were taken by a fellow police officer that my dad worked with. Uh-huh. Um, so I'm, wow, yeah, it's cool. It's cool. I'm I'm really looking forward to it. And uh, of course, the story about how my dad, you know, thought he was best friends with the director John Landis. <laughs> 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 so that will all be in there. So we, uh, you know, this one's a special one, and, and it's our again our fifth annual um, drive-in cruise. So there's a special you know, anniversary there. It's also the 15th anniversary of our business, believe it or not. Is it? Yeah. Get out of town, man. Yeah. Well, I'm out of town. <laughs> you are. In relation to me, you are I'm definitely way out, out of town. town. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I did not know that. 15 years. Well, yeah, the, the wow. history of the drive-in cruise, um, the first one was actually our 10th anniversary, and we were trying to find some kind of cool thing to do, and we had in the past done open houses where people come to the shop and bring cars or we've done garage sale kind of things or, or swap meet stuff. And yeah, but I always want, I mean, I love drive-ins. I think that experience is really cool. And we established a relationship with a working drive-in, the Skyview that has been functioning since 1949 and and came to them with this idea of doing a car show at the drive-in. And uh, of course, you know they're going to do whatever they can to, you know, fill the fill the parking lot, if you will. Right. Yeah. And the only limitation was that typically they have to run, you know, current movies on the weekends because that's how they keep their contract happy with the the movie studios sure. and whatnot. So we did it on Thursday night, and um, mm-hmm. and the typically that that drive-in does a double feature, and we said you know a double feature on a Thursday night. You're not going to get out of there until two in the morning, you know, or right. later. So we'll just do a single, and we'll do a little pre thing, and uh, a, you know, a pre win, if you will. Hey, that's right, man. <laughs> and they thought it was great because it's, uh, you know, it added a whole, it added another night of of sale activity for them. So they were like, of course, you know, why not? Sure. Yeah. And and we uh, tried to make this have you know be a good experience where it was. Cars and a car film and and uh, yeah. stuff and a car show, and the people you know everybody just has a great time at this thing. It, and it really looks like it. I mean, you, you've uh, done some live streams of it um, with just hanging out with with people who are there, and everybody. I mean, everybody's having a great time, and it fills the lot like crazy. It's oh yeah, amazing. We, I think we had um, just over four hundred cars last year. Wow. Yeah, on two screens. We had to run both screens of the drive-in. And That's a great car show. 
let it alone is. a good show, good turnout for a movie. Right, right. It, it and it's surprising to me only because, you know, I guess we do it. You know, and, and it's let me qualify that. You know, it's a great event and great people, great cars, great films. Yeah. But you know, if you're gonna personally do something, at least in my mind, it's like. You know, I know the Hot Rod Power Tour is like a paramount event and people come from all over the world to do it. And in my mind, even though I've done that event 14 times and I used to work there and everything, I just don't see anything that our little company ever does is going to be on that level. And I'm not saying this is, but what ends up happening is that people really dig it. And you can't deny, you know, 400 cars, we get some great sponsors, we get some great giveaway prizes, and we really try to make it worth their while, you know, because mm-hmm. if somebody's going to come out, some people are driving a pretty good distance. Yeah. You know, we don't want to waste their time. So we put a lot of effort into it. And it's just, it's so great to see that people come to us with what feels to me like a, an overreaction of joy. They're like, that was mm. the greatest thing ever. And it's like, well, really, uh-huh. it wasn't, but it was fun. <laughs> yeah. Well, it, it's something that... I don't see too many other venues or any other people able to do this. There's not a lot of drive-ins left. No. And yeah, right. You you guys are in a great position where you happen to have one that's relatively close and that's accessible. Mm-hmm. And you can put on this type of event. I mean, it's, it's very unique. And I see why people do travel to go to this because they can't get this anywhere else, really. No, and 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 the driving experience is is pure Americana, and it, it doesn't matter what kind of car you have, you know. And mm. and for us, you know, we try to stress bring your classic, your hot rod, your muscle car, your cool truck, your motorcycle, or whatever. But there are people there that show up with modern minivans because they don't have mm. anything else. And you know right. what? That's cool. You know, come yeah. on out, enjoy the night, be part of the car show. And I think the cool thing is that. Because it's a drive-in, it's an outdoor theater. You can't start the film until it gets dark outside. So mm-hmm. there's a, a mandatory few hours of, of car show. And people just hang out, check each other's stuff out. Yeah, right on. Enjoy the community. Yeah, and, and that, that's what's really yeah, cool. That's and really groovy. You've seen me stream yeah. that before. Um, I make sure that our our streaming camera batteries are charged up. And I my mission is to kind of walk around and talk to people and see what's there. And, yeah. and just have a good time. And, and um, I really dig it. And I'm very happy that, that you know, a lot of people really enjoy it because that's that's what it's all about. And then when the when the when we do the giveaways, so we've had some really awesome prizes in the past. And I'm sure we'll have more this year. You know, Holly has been giving us carburetors to give away. Uh, year one has been giving away huge gift certificates. Uh, we've been giving away $500 gift cards, you know, Visa gift cards because uh, a local company that, that does... Uh, it's not even a car-related company. They they do uh, uh, home restorations and things after you know fire and stuff like that, cleanups yeah. and, and landscaping. Sure. But they're car guys, so they they've given us five hundred dollar Visa gift cards to give away. You know, Bear Brakes has given us uh, you know a lot of merchandise to give away. And you know, the funny thing is, people certainly dig that, but they're not just there for the free swag. You know, right? Which is great. Yeah, you would. You wouldn't have to give away free swag, and people would still want to do that. Well, I mean, just, but I, like, I think it's it's good that we do. Yeah, it is good. That you, yeah, don't get yeah. me wrong. I'm not saying yeah. that's a bad idea. Yeah. But the the car show itself, and getting to meet new people, and kind of just hang out, and then see a cool movie at night, um, it, it, getting that whole driving experience—that's where yeah. it's at, man. Yeah, yeah, it's fun. And and last year 
was the first year that I was really able to kind of step off as soon as the movie starts and actually sit down and watch the film for a little while because, mm-hmm. you know, we, we put this on so we're, we're handling all the logistics and, you know, yeah. running all the stuff. And you miss it, you know, in, in my mm-hmm. capacity. And Kelly and, and our V8 team, they do a, a wonderful job of, of putting this thing on. We couldn't do it without these people. But last year, we, we made some efforts to kind of improve the efficiency. So when we get there, yeah. we have a, a box trailer. And that trailer gets there at like 2 in the afternoon. And there's tables and there's tents mm-hmm. to be set up and lights and stuff. And, and what that trailer does is it, it processes the tickets some people have bought T-shirts for the event. We got to make sure they get their T-shirts. We get them the goodie bag. We make sure they got their numbers for the giveaways and all that jazz. Mm-hmm. So it's a lot of, you know, for lack of a better term, a lot of busy work. Mm-hmm. Um, and then as soon as the film starts and everybody's in their car watching the movie, generally it's teardown time right away. You know, so everything starts undoing. Right. But this past year, we we made it um, a little smoother so that there was a few minutes to watch the film. And Kelly and I and our team, you know, everybody had a chance to kick back and enjoy the movie for a little while. And I was like, yeah, I could see why you would dig this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's that's cool that you're able to do that. I, I, I would imagine every year you find ways to do it a little bit better and you, you, you're you able to, you know, increase efficiencies in the way you put this on. And, and you, you, uh, you know, look back at the year before and say, well, this really didn't work, but this worked. Let's do this, and let's cut that out, and let's change this, and let's make this better. And yeah, and it seems like that's what you're doing. Yeah, yeah, and and you know, there there was never anything that I mean. It's another testament to the team and and our partners at the Skyview Drive-In. We've mm-hmm. never really had any problems, which is great. That's great. And, and the yeah. the the people that come to this event are purely there to have a good time. You know, they just want to mm-hmm. get in, get get their car pointed at the screen a lot of them are bringing lawn chairs a lot of them partner up and they they sit there with five or six cars of their friends and they might Mm -hmm. put all their chairs in a little circle so their cars Mm -hmm. are all there some of them are car clubs there's some great car clubs that come out that are local um and some of these car clubs are doing it up man there's a uh uh there's a club called the uh uh, the Lone Club, and, and these guys are out of St. Louis, guys and gals, and they bring easy ups, and they bring a big fried chicken dinner, and they've got all their friends <laughs> nice. and family hanging out. Yeah, I mean, they're they're really doing it up and having a great time, and, and uh, we love to see that. And we, we try to take some drone footage and make a little promo video of it and, and walk around. And right. So it, it's, a, it's a cool thing. And this year, um, for me, I think it's going to be a little bit closer to home because the the movie is oh, something yeah. that i grew up with and really you know it's near and dear yeah and you know sometimes you get concerned about that because it's like well i really like this film so I'm, you know i don't know if everybody else does but all the people that we've told and and the feedback online everybody's super excited you know right they, on. they love yeah. it yeah uh, i love the film but what i don't like is i hate illinois nazis <laughs> I hate <laughs> Illinois Nazis. <laughs> well, we all do, which is great. So right now, as we record this, it is uh, June 1st, as a matter of fact, and the, the, the drive-in's in August, the, the mm-hmm. event. So I still have some homework to do. We're, we're nailing down the T-shirt, um, but we're, we're taking a little line from the movie and the shirt, and our shop, the V8 Speed and Wrestling Shop, and the shirt uh-huh. theme is uh, we're on a mission from Redbud. So, right on. Yeah, Love it. It, it should be Love cool. it. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's awesome. I think I 
I might be able to make it to this one. Well, it's always like your birthday weekend, right? Is that yeah? Well, this is August fifteenth. My my birthday is is ten days from that. Oh, so I think yeah. I can make this. Yeah. Well, the other thing is we talked about, uh, you know, our, our mutual friend Paul, who's got his yeah. '62 Buick down here at the shop right now, getting some work done. We're trying to get that car done for the drive-in, right? And yeah, in an ideal world, you know, Paul's a guy a guy I grew up with, and he and I can both quote basically every line from that film. Mm-hmm. And if we get the car done, our plan was the following weekend to drive his Buick home, and me drive our Ford Galaxy with him. Oh, yeah. And and road trip, you know, from from the St. Louis area to the Chicago area, and deliver mm-hmm. his car, and then you know Kelly and I would come back down. So that's that's on track right now. So awesome. That's cool. So oh, that, that is truly cool. on a mission from Red Bud at that point. Yeah, because he hasn't really driven that car in 15, 18 years, something like that. So <laughs> if you you know if you're listening and you're interested in tickets, if you're local or if you want to make the trip, um, you can find. The tickets on uh, the website driveincruise.com. And of course, we'll be sharing it on Facebook and all the rest of the social stuff. And we invite you mm-hmm. to come out and have a good time because it's just kind of a, you know, it's a, it's a low key, low stress, good time. You don't need to do or be anything. You know, everybody's right. welcome. Let's just go yeah. have a good night. Now, does the Skyview, um, do they use those uh, um, old time kind of, sound speakers that you click on your mirror or do they broadcast your sound through like your fm you know that's an interesting radio. point um the weirdest thing is that the skyview broadcasts the movie audio on an fm radio station right okay so okay. no no longer do you have the little clip on drive-in speakers but the side result was something i wasn't expecting and that is that everybody gets in their car and when the movie starts playing they tune in on the radio, and a lot of them are rolling their windows up. Some are running their air conditioning, you know, or whatnot. And the whole uh-huh. place goes dead silent because it's coming through people's cars, and oh, it's not yeah. broadcast anywhere. Huh. So, you know, our team, a lot of us are standing outside at our tent, our trailer. So we actually bring a boombox and crank it up real loud uh-huh. and, and tune into the station so that people standing there can hear the audio from the film That's as well. That's a great well. idea. Yeah, well, also, we learned it, learned it the hard those way. Those people who don't have radios in their hot rods. Yeah. Yeah. What and, do they and, do? And there are some people that don't, and, and some people just like to sit outside. So they'll bring a lawn chair and sit in front of their car, and they'll have a portable radio as well. You know, so ah, that's a great point. You know, if you, if you don't want to sit in the car and watch the film, because, you know, we've done this in, in August every year, and a couple of years has been pretty, pretty damn hot. Yeah. Um, so it's nicer to be outside. Bring a radio with you so that you don't have that problem. That's a right great on. point. Well, yeah. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was curious about that because I, I remember those big, big clunky speakers hanging on the window when I was a kid at the drive-in. Well, the I benefit is you get you know true stereo sound, and if your car's got a stereo in it, it's going to sound uh-huh. better, and you know, it's better than that mono. Uh, yeah, that crackly speaker. Yeah. Hanging off your hanging off your window. Interesting. Right. Yeah, that's cool. That's real cool. Um, you got another event going on. Unfortunately, by the time this hits the air, it's going to be over with. But uh, you got the Optimus Car Show coming up tomorrow. Tomorrow, tomorrow is the second. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, as we record this. Yeah, uh, remember? <laughs> yeah, oh, oh, I remember. Uh, yeah, you know, and that's that's a it's a fun thing, and I've been kind of last minute preparing today. So the 
I'm in this organization. It's called the Optimist International. And the Optimist International is a youth fundraising organization. And what we do locally at our, our local uh, chapter is we have a handful of events throughout the year um, that fit where we live. So we have a tractor pull. I'm in a pretty rural area and we've got a tractor pull. We've got a, uh, uh, an event called the bull ride where it's a rodeo style event at our local County fairgrounds. We also cool. do a 5k run. We do a Christmas tree lot. Uh, but, but my particular event is the car show. And when mm. I joined the club, uh, I guess almost seven years ago now, they're like, Hey, guess what? <laughs> you get the car show. <laughs> Um, which is great. And, uh-huh. you know, in all honesty, I'm, I'm not a huge sit-down car show kind of guy. Uh-huh. I would rather be on a cruising event or an autocross or something. But there was definitely, uh, you know, something going for this one because the, the town that, that I live in and the town that is hosting this event is Waterloo, Illinois. And we have this, this totally stereotypical, picturesque courthouse town square. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like Back to the Future. You know, if you envision yeah. the the clock tower, you know, we got that same kind of thing, <laughs> and that's where the car show is. It's it's a, the streets around the town square, and the whole thing generates money for the youth scholarships that our club awards every year to high school students that apply for them. So we do an academic scholarship, and we also do a vocational scholarship, which to me is very important. You know, sure. And the cool thing there is that the the show is largely staffed by our local high school auto club. Oh, that's even better. Because they're the recipients of a lot of this money. Right. So we get them involved to be the judges, and I train the judges on, on what we're looking for, and uh, and they, they help run the food stand, and they, they help with logistics and all this stuff. So that's what makes it a little bit different from your typical you know, weekend, bring your lawn chair type car show where uh-huh. a car club, you know, might be the benefit or a, a bar or a restaurant or something, right. you know, it, it's a, a youth fundraising organization. And I was just looking at the data. And um, so this is my sixth year of, of being in charge of this show. And wow. six years ago, I think we had 76 cars show up. Okay. And last year we had 200. I think you're doing a good job. Well, you know, <laughs> a lot of this is weather dependent. You know, you can't deny right. that. If it's a nice day, mm. they're going to come out. And I've been trying to, you know, market this on social media as much as possible to, to kind of mm-hmm. get it out there. It's the most effective way. Right. But, you know, what's interesting is that uh, the car show world is full of people who, you know, there's no really, you know, nice way to say it, but there's some people that can be kind of challenging to deal with because they might have driven 50 miles or 100 miles to get here and they want to uh-huh. win something, you know? Sure. It costs them 20 bucks to enter and they sit here all day and if they go home without a trophy, they get upset. Yeah. And and we try to tell them that it's not about the trophy, it's about right. helping the youth of tomorrow with their right. education and whatnot. But still, you know, you have that. And yeah. so, so this year in particular, a couple of days ago, I actually got a phone call from a guy and he said, look, I've been to your show a couple of times and I have a, a 69 Mustang. And because of the way your classes are structured, 
I lost to a 2015 Mustang. And he said, I think that's nonsense because this guy just went on and bought this car and mine's yeah. been around since 69. So right. I don't even look at his as a, you know, any kind of a worthy show car. So, right. so what gives, you know? Uh-huh. And there's some validity to that, you know? Yeah. You got a, he's got a 428 Cobra Jet, you know, Mach 1 mm-hmm. and a guy with a, a, you know, a three modification 16 Mustang uh-huh. uh, ended up beating him. So I didn't, you know, here, here I've got an unhappy guy and the show hasn't even happened yet. <laughs> <laughs> Serenity now. Serenity yeah. now. Well, right. So what do you do? So uh, what we ended up coming up with is we've got 26 classes in this show. And you can't have a class for every single car. And, it, uh, uh-huh. you know, it's not something where everybody gets a trophy because to me that's nonsense. Uh-huh. But N- no pre-winners. No pre-winners. You know, uh-huh. every, either everybody's a pre-winner until they get a trophy, then they're a, they're a post-winner. <laughs> yeah. um, but what I told him, I said, "Well, let's do this." I said, "You know," he was kind of threatening that his Mustang Club was kind of boycotting our show because they felt like they were getting hosed. You know, and, and, and after talking to him, I you know I kind of under, understand you know right. what the deal is. So uh, tomorrow at our event, we're actually going to have a meeting in which we're going to reach out to these, the Mustang Club in particular, and the Corvette guys and say, what would make you happy? You know, what, okay. what would be the best way to judge these cars? Because you guys do this day in, day yeah. out. Sure. And that's what I want to do. You know, if we need a late model Mustang class versus an early model Mustang class or, or whatever it's going to be. Right. Um, because my mission is to get people out to have a great time, talk to people, and meet mm-hmm. new friends and yeah. look at cars. And if the byproduct is that it's aggravating people, well, that's that's not good. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I, I get the guy's point. You're you're right. There is some validity to his claim, and I get it. A '69 Mustang has had a whole lot more effort put into it over its lifetime than. Uh, a Mustang that was just bought, you know, six months ago. I, I get it. Yeah, I, I can see why a guy would be salty about that. But at the same time, I told him, because he, he brought up a good point. He said, look, the, a car is one of your most proud purchases. He said, you don't have people that invite strangers into their home to show off their their house. Right. But you bring your car to a car show to show it off mm-hmm. to complete strangers. I said, I, sure. I get it. You know, the, I fully understand the importance, you know, of having a cool car. But if we're to deny these modern cars, that's mm-hmm. going to tank the hobby. You know, if, if a guy who buys a 16 Mustang, even yeah. if he doesn't do anything to it and just says, hey, you know what? I bought this car. I like this car. I'm going to bring it to a show and show it off. And we mm-hmm. poo-poo that guy yeah. or gal then right. that's a big negative. So I think we just got to put right. people in the right place, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I see that I see that side of it too. You, you want to perpetuate the hobby into the future. Right. And you don't want to turn these people off. No. How do you make everybody happy, Kevin? Well, you How can't. You <laughs> <laughs> Kevin, you are charged with making everybody happy, sir. Yeah, and there's varying and degrees. Go. Yeah, there's varying degrees of that. And and uh-huh. this gets back to a college philosophy class I had, which both of those sound foreign. Yes, I went to college, and B, I took <laughs> philosophy. 
but but what's more, nice. you know what's more detrimental is it one one person getting a thousand pinpricks or a thousand people getting one pinprick mm-hmm. right so that what we need to do is prick our thousand people once right <laughs> so to speak and say you know yeah you didn't win the big trophy but we've expanded this to accommodate other cars and classes and and hopefully mm-hmm. more people have a greater level of enjoyment and you will have a few that are not going to be happy you know mm-hmm. and you deal with those individually and, and go from there so mm-hmm. well i mean i can see having a class for for more modern cars as well as a separate class for more vintage cars uh where, where you draw that line i'm not sure but you know the the modern car guys and and, and older car guys are rarely going to see eye to eye on what on what what they have. Um, so I, I mean, yeah, I, I can see having two separate classes, like uh, mm-hmm. from from Fox Body till now, and then from you know Mustang two to sixty five. Yeah. Well, the, so the trick becomes because there's so many generations of Mustang, and they are so mm-hmm. polarizing. This, yeah. this guy specifically told me that anything after 72 is considered a Pinto. Yeah. And it doesn't matter. Uh-huh. So what I need to do is make sure they're happy in their class. Uh-huh. Right. And I'm not going to yeah. convince them that a Fox body is cool or that an SN95 uh-huh. is cool or right. a Terminator Mustang is cool or a current Coyote powered, you know, whatever. Right. And, and he was trying to tell me that, uh, that his 69 428 Cobra Jet Mustang would eat a current supercharged GT500 Shelby, except for the fact the Shelby turns better, but he would get him in the straight. And I'm like, that I think is he's a, a little delusional. That is a <laughs> 750 horsepower yeah. car, pal. Yeah, you know? yeah. But, but I can't tell him that, I can't tell him no. Right. Uh, and I don't want to lie to him and, and be delusional, <laughs> you know, and say, oh, sure, yeah, you would. Yeah. So I got to kind of walk the line and say, but you know what? That's probably not a fair comparison to say your car needs to compare to this one at the show. Mm-hmm. And, and and so the, the overlying mission is to educate a little bit and create some uh, appreciation, both from the, you know, mm-hmm. 2000, you know, 18, 19 Shelby GT500 owner to appreciate a, a Mustang too, you know, from 1976, uh-huh. And then and have the the '68 guy appreciate these new cars because they just don't understand each other, you know. Right. In many ways. Right. I like the Mustang too, man. Come on, Mustang twos need love. <laughs> <laughs> I tell you what, you know. So we recently had a, an open house at our shop with the local chamber of commerce, and the a woman who's very involved in the chamber pointed out that she had a '77 Cobra two. Right, really, and that was the Fair Fawcett car, the white one with the yes. blue stripes. You know, ah, and, yes, it was. Yeah, and and that was like a hundred and ten horsepower toilet. You know, from oh, yeah. a, a, perform, <laughs> a performance standpoint, it uh, really was. But you know what? It's still cool. It, it had a look. Yeah. It had. It, they they were trying real hard to make this thing be you know a standout right. in the market. Sure. And, and if I had one, I'd put a modern Coyote in it, and I would surprise a lot hmm. of people. You know. Yes, you. My God. You would, you would, you would surprise everybody. I think. Mm-hmm. And and getting back to the the significance of that car with people's nostalgia and their own history, even mm-hmm. if it was 
you know, 135 horsepower, seven and a half to one compression, you know, 302 and couldn't get out of its own way. When she, she had one and when she drove it, she loved it. And that's Mm -hmm. all that matters, you know? And that is all that matters. Right. Yeah. If you like what you're driving, who cares who, who, what anyone else thinks? Right. Now, of course, if she was going to take that to a drag strip or take it to a road course and expect to be competitive, then right. you need more. Right. <laughs> you, know? you do need more. Yes. Yeah. That, apples and oranges, for right. sure. Yeah. My, my mother had a 75, 74 Mustang II when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. thought it was the coolest car ever. You know, the hatchback, 302. There you the go. Mach 2, so to speak, is what it, is what right. it had on the rocker panel. <laughs> right. Yeah, you know yeah. what? Those are hard to find too. Today they are hard to find, man. Yeah. And that was light blue, right? Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. it was light blue, mm-hmm. blue interior. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah, they all, they're all rusted away. That's why they're hard to find. <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. But but you know, to to your point, you know, you can't please everybody. But uh, there's a local guy who has a yellow Mustang too, and I don't know what year it is. I think it's about a '77, and uh, it's got black lubers and some black stripes mm. on it and you know they they tried to apply all the earlier mustang packages to him you know in some sure. degree <clears throat> and he lives in my neighborhood and i see this thing all the time and, and this guy loves his car you know huh. so who am i to take you know any of that shine of that car away from him he knows it ain't gonna go out and beat a new gt500 or right you know right. whatever um that's not it, why he has it no, right. It's yeah. his car, you know, yeah. and, and it could have been his dad's or whatever. Right. I, I don't know. So yes. to kind of come full full circle, uh, you know, our uh, uh, car show experience this year, uh, we're going to genuinely reach out to all these people and, 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 and talk about these points. And we're going to have a big meeting in the middle of the car show and say, okay, guys, I know this year it's our current classes and our current judging strategy but but for next year i want you to be involved and and let's let's do this in a manner that you know you understand and you like so that more Uh of your friends come out and everybody has a good time so i think they would appreciate that and respect you a hell of a lot for bringing them in on that and really caring about what how how they view the class system well, you know, I, I hope so. And, and the guy that I talked to, I, I we came up with this idea on the phone, and he couldn't believe it. He's like, "Oh, really? Really? You, you know, you would listen?" And I'm like, "Absolutely." You know, yeah. That's 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 what this is about. It's not a, mm-hmm. a Bloomington Gold Concourse, you know, thousand point <laughs> show where the rules right. are cemented in history. This is just a, <laughs> a local thing to try and raise some money and and, yeah. and show some kids how to judge cars and how to uh-huh. advance their career. You know, so. Yeah, and if I can make you happy while while we're doing it, bonus. That's it. That's it. Yeah, everybody wins. So everybody wins. The good thing is that our weather is looking uh, pretty good. Looks like it's be about seventy five degrees and sunny, seventy eight. So it should be right on. And uh, I think I have everything prepared. <laughs> uh, I'm know. sure you do. I'm sure you do. I, I usually forget something, but uh, so you know, at the end of the day, we shall see. Hopefully, they're all happy and. Uh, we learned something about how to put on a better car show, and life uh, life is good for everyone. Right on. Well, yeah. If you learn something, then it's then then you again you win. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So that's cool. That's cool. And speaking of learning something, so we finally sent home the LT4 Camaro. Do we? 
Yes. And it's pretty exciting because, you know, we had talked about this before on the show and, and we've put some VATV episodes out there about doing this swap of a late model Corvette Z06 supercharged LT4 uh, engine into a 69 Camaro. And we got it running and driving and it was a great car, except it had a character flaw in which as you revved up through the gears, so you'd, you'd bring the RPM up, you'd step on the gas, you'd go from one to two, you'd step on the clutch, get off the gas, go from, you know, that make that one to two shift or two uh-huh. to three or whatever. When you got your foot off the gas, the RPM continued to climb. Ooh. And depending on what the RPM was when you shifted. So, for example, if it was like, if you stepped on the clutch and got off the gas at 5,000 RPM, it might go up three or 400 on its own. If you were at 5,500, it might go mm. four or 500 on its own. Mm. Um, it never exceeded the red line, uh-huh. but you weren't truly in control of the car, right? That's a bit unnerving. It is. It is. Yeah. And what we learned is that uh, we were not the only one with this problem. And, right. Uh, essentially, from what we can tell, all the GM Connect and Cruise manual transmission cars have this issue. Um, it's not super publicized because not everybody is driving them this hard. You know, a lot of people are doing these transplants and, 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 you know, they're spending a lot of money on these cars and they haven't gotten out and really beat on them yet. Huh? So they might not know they have the issue. Um, the other thing is that the LT4 automatic cars, um, the issue doesn't manifest itself as obviously because the torque converter absorbs that RPM flare mm-hmm. and the computer is designed to upshift right away. So that extra RPM gets kind of blended in with the upshift and the torque converter right. and it's not as obvious. Yeah. So in our case, it's a six speed manual and our customer was not really happy with it. We weren't really happy with it. Mm-hmm. And we tapped a handful of different tuners and different customers of, of other shops. And a lot of people said they, they had a, you know, they could make it better by, uh-huh. a, you know, working on the calibration and the tune a little bit. Maybe it was in timing. Maybe it was uh, a clutch switch or, or certain things. But nobody solved it. Um, not even General Motors, believe it or not. Oh, wow. Uh, we went all the way to the top, and, and I've got some friends there, and they they took our call and listened, and, and but they didn't really have a solution. Um and, and, you know, part of that is because GM's a giant company and they've got bigger fish to fry than a couple of people that are complaining about this, you know. So I, right. I can understand yeah. why they, they didn't put a bunch of resources to it right away. Sure. Nevertheless, our customer wants this fixed. And it's our mission as the guys that, that put this car together to make it right. Mm-hmm. And I got to hand it to Trevor uh, in our V8 Speed and Resto shop because he figured it out. He did? He, he did, did not. He, what? He, he did. And this is not to say that, uh, you know, we had worked with a handful of other tuners that provided some, you know, potential solutions. And, and Trevor, none of them were doing exactly what we needed. And Trevor stepped back and took a, a 30,000 foot view on this thing. Mm-hmm. And went through all the documentation and went through the schematics and went through everything that this 
ECM and this transmission and the controllers and all, all this stuff is supposed to do and the logic circuits mm-hmm. and questioned everything. Really? And, and eventually asked the right question. Okay. And was able to change some parameters in the calibration and fixed it. What? 100%. I mean... All hail Trevor. Fixed. All right? hail Trevor. And, and I agree. I mean, it was brilliant what, what his, his logical strategy was to come up with this. Yeah. And we live in a weird world because it's real easy to claim somebody else's intellectual property as your own or somebody else's sure. tuning strategy or whatever. But this is so different from what everybody else was doing mm-hmm. that it's very easy to show what we did. Really? The downside, I mean, our, and our mission was to fix our customer's car. Sure. Um, but, but knowing that there are so many others out there that have this problem, now, to quote Trevor, we're, we're sitting on, on the golden egg. Oh, boy. Right? So what do we do? You know, because we, we've invested a bunch of time in it. The customer's invested a bunch of money into it. Right. And at the end of the day, we kind of split the investment <clears throat> because okay. uh, we didn't charge them. You know, you can't charge somebody for every minute you're researching and, and all that kind of stuff. No. It's just not fair. However, he brought us the car to fix and we fixed it. So there's value mm. in that. Yes. Uh, and we all had to kind of step back and look and say, okay, well, we have the fix. And right now, nobody else does. And oh boy. That, that kind of means something. Yeah. But but what does it mean, right? What, what Where's the mm-hmm. value in that? And if we were a software company that had two floors full of people on the phone that were able to answer questions and take calls and whatnot, I could see it being of a higher uh, monetary value because then we could say we could advertise yeah we right. got the fix we can email you the tune you can install it you can pay us and then you go about your merry way but the the nature of these cars is that every single one of them you know generally has been tuned and calibrated by an individual so they're all different right and we don't have a call center and I don't have the kind of liability insurance to say, and, and Trevor works on cars. He's not emailing tunes out and then right. taking those calls when something doesn't go right or answering sure. questions, right? And you're obviously familiar with that. That's kind of what you do. Kind of what I do. In your daily job. <laughs> and, and, you know, how many, how many people are in your department that do that? 15. Yeah, a lot. And I don't, yeah. we, we don't have that. So, so it was real attractive to say, well, we need to sell this. You know, we need to sell this cure. But then when we started right. kind of working backwards at the, the reality of it, it's like, well, what do, what do we do, you know? Uh-huh. And <clears throat> what we do is build cars and, and make them run right and restore them or modify them or whatever. Mm. We don't sit there on the phone and, and if a customer has a tuning issue, we don't, do, we don't have a help desk, you know? It's, it's mm. not what we do. So then we're trying to distill this backwards and say, well, what can we do? You know, so if somebody has this problem, what's a fair thing? And, and if you're familiar with, uh, you know, revision history of documents, you know, so you could be using a Google document and look back and see what the changes were that got saved yesterday right. or two days ago, whatever. Well, the HP Tuner software has that same function. So uh-huh. there's a possibility that we could email out the fix for a, a customer, and then they can just look back 
and do a comparison and, and see what changed and go, oh, I know what this is. And then they could share it for free to everybody. I see. I see. Huh. Right? Right? Well, or and maybe General Motors will put some value in on that fix. Well, maybe, but but yeah. they're they're still kind of denying that there's a problem. Oh, um, and for them to accept a fix would they would they would be admitting that there was a problem? Well, I don't sort of. I mean, I, I'm sure there there might be some of that, but I think more accurately is they need to validate any solution. Sure. So they need to identify a problem. They're going to run that that solution through a zillion oh. different tests. To make sure, you know that it's right, and that it doesn't mm-hmm. cause any other issues. Mm-hmm. So they really yeah. can't take some small shop's answer and mm-hmm. and assume that it's correct. You know they they need to do their due, due right. diligence because they're General Motors. They're General Motors, <laughs> you know, yeah. right? God damn. <laughs> yeah. So what we were concerned with is if some guy called up and said, "Hey, I have this problem. You know, I'll uh-huh. buy your your fix for I don't know five hundred dollars, whatever." Uh-huh. And right. then he turns around and pastes it online, and then all of a sudden it's got no intrinsic value, you know. Right. And not only that, our door is still open to a liability question because maybe Trevor's fix fixed our customer's car, but on uh-huh. your car, it might affect a different aspect of the calibration and maybe cause I another see. problem. And I don't know because I don't have your car, right? Right. Mm-hmm. So really what we've landed on, and there's another interesting thing that happens is a lot of calibrators and tuners will, will work on a car, and if you buy their tune, they'll lock your ECM so that nobody else can do anything except that person. Oh. And huh. we've run into this in the past, and I don't, I don't really like it, you know? Yeah. Because not that I want to pry in and see what they did. Uh-huh. But maybe they fixed the air fuel curve and made the car run better. But I need to change the fan on and off temperature, uh-huh. or the gear ratio, or the you know something with the AC. And I can't do that because his concern is that his intellectual property is going to get looked at, mm-hmm. and and I respect that too. Yeah. So uh, today I think our our stance is going to be, and uh, <laughs> I guess this is a benefit to those who are listening to VA Radio because you're getting this kind of behind the scenes conversation. Yeah. Uh, but but I think what our stance is going to be is that if somebody comes to us with a problem, we're more than happy to look at the car if we can get the car. Uh-huh. And that way we can look at the car, we can look at the rest of the calibration, we can look at the installation, we can look at the health of everything uh-huh. and, and see if what we learned will help fix it. And I think we're going to do a time and mileage-based lockdown. So All right. if we make this fix, we're going to leave it so that and the customer will know, but we're going to agree that for the next 90 days or 60 days or whatever, um, you can't change this calibration because we want to make sure it sticks and it works yeah. and nothing else changes. Uh, because we've, we've had situations in the past where a customer has taken the car home, taken it down the street, had somebody else monkey with it, ruin uh. it, and they call us and say, hey, it doesn't work anymore. And right. we, we had to extrapolate from them that somebody else got involved. And by not allowing anybody else to monkey with the tune, at least mm. we know that variable's gone. Yeah. And if That's you important. know if it creates another issue, we can approach that issue. Yeah. Without distortion or noise in the signal path, if you will. Yeah. Um, and then when we're satisfied that it's good, you know, they can kind of we're unfortunately because of the 
liability world. We might have them sign a little thing saying, I acknowledge this is good for what it is today. Mm-hmm. And then we'll release the code and they can they can do whatever they want. You know, it's theirs. Mm-hmm. It's only fair. Right, right. That's, so That sounds like a pretty reasonable stance. I, I hope so. Um, mm-hmm. <clears throat> but you can see, interestingly, how deep this stuff goes now. Because it used to be, right. if, you a, if you had a carburetor, you'd turn the screws and send them home. <laughs> right, right. Throw some jets in there or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just the idle mixture and, and all that good stuff. Put some, some, some power valve springs in, right, and tune it up. And That's then it. Adjust the float and the fuel pressure and you're done. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And today, yeah. the, the fix itself was one giant challenge, but then how you interact and implement that fix on other people is a whole uh-huh. other story. Yeah, that's true. But, but you know what? Going through all that, you guys have had to have learned a ton about that GM Connect uh, ECU and harness and how it interacts with that LT4 engine. Yes. And that makes you a real authority on that, I think. Well, you know, but it does, but to a certain degree. I mean, we're aware of this particular thing. You know, Mm -hmm. GM has a room full of engineers that have decades and decades of experience that are programming this stuff, and we we can't expect anybody to know all that. But GM didn't fix it now, did they? Yeah, but again, I just don't think it was... A, a priority to them because the, the performance division isn't you know obviously their bread and butter you know <clears throat> they they produce these parts and sell them but if you have a you know five guys that call about a problem it's not you know f- a two million chevy cruises that the steering <laughs> right. column locked up or something you know right. it, it's yeah. not that big of a deal so yes we did learn a ton and um uh, you know, at the end of the day, we're just trying to be responsible to our customer and to mm-hmm. other potential customers, and and keep, uh, you know, keep the the lawyers off everybody's back. Right. Um, yeah. You know, I it's mean, it is credit. I mean, you guys never gave up. You you kept you kept fighting it, and you won. So good on you guys. Good on Trevor. And Hell that yeah. part's really cool. Um, yeah. <clears throat> and there was times when the car owner, thank God, he's an understanding guy. He's a great customer. He's a great guy. And he, he hung with us as well. Mm-hmm. And we had conversations where he's like, look, I just I think I just want to sell this thing. And, and oh, I had to kind of no. talk him off the ledge and say, well, you know, I don't have an answer today, but, but when we get one, I think you're going to like it. Mm-hmm. And, then, and then Trevor, you know... Trevor is very typical. He's different because he's he's a very smart guy and and he he takes the time to really think deep. Um, but he's typical of a lot of car guys where at at five o'clock you don't just forget about this stuff. You know, right? He thinks about it all night long, every night, the same way you uh-huh. planned your engine build and I've you know whatever. So what was kind of funny is as soon as he kind of figured it out, the physical action to correct this took a minute but the knowledge acquisition and the research and the theory behind it forever it took months and he was down on himself he's like oh man this is such a simple thing you know once you know and i said but Uh but that's it once you know now you you, know yes but getting to know Uh it takes something and and i have to commend Mm -hmm. him on his perseverance uh, and and his mind for allowing this solution to come to him, you know, and however it did, you know. Yeah. 
uh, which was which was an active thing. It, it, you know, I, I, coming to him is not an accurate term. It, it, he he thought it out, uh-huh. um, and he had actually talked about this six months ago and and said, I think it really? might be over here. But we did have input from other people who are known as authorities who didn't uh-huh. acknowledge that. So you kind of backburner those ideas and say, well, if this guy doesn't think so, and this guy doesn't think so, and they're pretty right. smart, maybe it's not. Right. Who, who am I to, to, to right. dispute what they think? Right. Yeah. Well, it turns out that little gut instinct was right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so there's the lesson, kids. Trust your gut. Yes. Man, right on, Trevor. He's a smart yeah. cat, that Trevor. Yeah. I'll tell you what. He, he, Trevor is a very smart cat, and, and again, mm-hmm. I, I commend him for it. Um, and at the same time, he, he walks among a team of, of a whole bunch of very smart cats. We're super exactly. lucky. Yes. You know, and I'm not trying to say everybody pre-wins a trophy here. Um, <laughs> but, but, but day in and day out on various levels, you know, uh, everyone on our team is solving these kinds of issues. And, mm-hmm. and it, might be as, it might not be as prominent as this particular one because it was very specific and kind of high level. Uh, but everybody in our, in our, in our shop, uh, is capable of doing this stuff. And mm-hmm. to me, that, that's when I stand back, like, you know, that, that's a proud Papa moment. That's like, right look, on, look yeah. at these people, uh-huh. <laughs> you know, I'm a knucklehead, but they, these, these people can figure this stuff out. And that's really, really cool. So. Amen, man. Well said. Well said. Yeah. You are a knucklehead. I am. I'm not lying. <laughs> <laughs> I kid, I kid. Not exaggerating <laughs> in any direction. I am a knucklehead. <laughs> right on. Man, that makes me happy. I'm glad there's finally a resolution to that. That's been uh, that's been a subject on this show more than once. Yes. So now we're kind of creeping this out to the industry and saying, okay, well, we you know we got a solution, but uh, we mm-hmm. kind of need the car and and yeah. we'll help where we can. But I'm not going to run up yeah. and down the street saying we did it, we did it, you know. And you know, right, it's, right. We, we need to be more responsible in that because everyone's different. Sure. And good, good, uh, good. you know, another fun one was that we finally finished up your buddy Moe's GTO with that five-speed conversion yes, you and, did. and a few things. And 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 that was such a great experience because uh, Moe's such a great guy, and he he really enjoyed the car. And the car was a totally different machine with the five-speed than a I believe you know, it. automatic and and uh, you know, in typical fashion, the day he came to pick it up, so so we did the five-speed swap. We fixed a, a, a patch in the floor um, as a courtesy. We fixed his valve cover gaskets; they were leaking real bad, mm-hmm. and we, you know we took care of that. And we put a new um, printed circuit board in the gauges because the gauges yeah. weren't working right. And of course, the day he comes to pick it up, he hits a turn signal, and both left and right arrows start flashing. Ah, oh, damn it. So you'd hit the high beam and, you know, all the lights would come on. It was a mess. So our technician, Jonathan, uh, jumped on it and uh, we sent Mo and his wife to lunch. And Jonathan was doing kind of a, you know, an 11th hour repair on this thing and got it uh-huh. figured out. He found that a couple of connections were loose. It really wasn't a big deal. And uh, okay. unfortunately, when, when Mo and his wife picked up the car to finally go home, uh, Kelly and I weren't there. We had another appointment. We had to leave. Ah. Uh, so Mo was like, well, where's Kelly and Kevin? And, and Trevor's like, well, I think they had to go somewhere. And and Mo's like, well, I need to get my picture taken with somebody. So you get over here, Trevor. 
<laughs> All right. Nice. So, nice. He got his picture taken with Trevor, and then uh, a couple days later, we released the video driving the car around and everything. Yeah. Yeah. That he car was, is so cool. I love the gold. Cool. It is cool. It's, it's. I mean, you're you you've got a gold GTO, so yeah, I'm sure you'd love it. Yeah. But it's it's different with the tan interior and the, uh, you know, yeah. the fact that it's a pretty well loaded car. Um, mm-hmm. And it, it drives great, and he's happy. So uh, we're we're very happy about Mo's car. So right on, Mo. I'm still driving it, Mo. Still driving it. Yeah, oh no, he's good with that. He listens to the good. show. He he likes what you do, and he's he said whenever you want. So that's cool. Woohoo! Mo, get, uh, go ahead and message me your address, Mo. We'll be stopping by <laughs> here shortly. He'll be at the drive-in. He loves the Blues Brothers too. So all right, sweet. All right, well I gotta go then. There's Jeez. a chance, pal. Yeah. We'll do some uh, some uh, drive-in uh, burnouts That's in right. the gravel lot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know of a little pavement around there, so uh, yeah, <laughs> right on, right it, on. It'll be way more fun, no doubt. Yeah. All right. Well, I All think right. we've kept our uh, our trivia fans in suspense long enough, so um, maybe we we let the cats out of the bags, respectively. Yes. All right. Let's do it. All right, Kev, I asked you, short and sweet, what year saw the first introduction of the airbag for cars? And you said... And I got this all wrong. Um, you were closer than you think. I really? You what. <laughs> yeah. I just asked for what year, and the bonus was what, what manufacturer. You said 1971, and it was 1970. Oh! Yeah, right? Snap! Nice! Right? Wow. But it wasn't on Mercedes-Benz. It was uh, Cadillac Buick Olds uh, had them in their cars. Wow. Yeah. Crazy, right? I learned something new every day. Uh, I did not know that. I've never seen one. You ever see one? I don't think so. I don't... Yeah. That must have been some pretty expensive option, I would imagine. I would imagine, you know, a giant steering wheel. Oh, yeah. like Probably like a big pillow thing about... Right. Staring at you right in the face. And I've never seen that at a car show or anything. So, huh, yeah. very interesting. If any of you have a Cadillac Buick Olds from 1970 with an airbag, send us a picture. We'd love to see it. That's it. Totally, totally. All right. Well, I, I lost by, by that much. Missed it by that much. And I'm good with that. I was yeah. close. It's a great guess. Yeah. Well, thank you. You bet. All right. So, uh, your question was nowhere near as cerebral. Or historical. This was, uh, what was the 8-track cassette tape playing in the Bluesmobile in the movie? Your, yeah. gu- your guess was Sam Cooke, uh-huh. uh, just just the artist, and you were closer than you think. Really? Because it was actually the best of Sam and Dave. Oh, man, that's right. <laughs> On Atlantic ah, Records. So, best Sa- of Sam and Dave. Yeah, so you got the Sam part, right? Different Sam, yeah. but still Sam. And uh, Sam and Dave, of course, were a, a very dynamic R&B duo from the 60s. And uh, one of them, I believe it was, I believe it was Dave, actually appeared in the Blues Brothers sequel, the Blues oh, Brothers really? 2000. Yeah, because the, the band really loved him and, and they asked him to perform and he was part of that, part of that uh, soundtrack and in the film. And the funny thing was, is me having so many ties to the original Blues Brothers you know, kind of in protest, I never saw the sequel. I, you know what? I never have either. Right. And it, and it, that's a Chicago thing, you know, because most, yeah. 
I think most people in Chicago were like, there is no, nothing's going to be worthy of the first one. Uh, no. no. So our good friends, uh, Rick and Linda, Rick, who you've, you know very well. Yeah. Uh, Rick's got a 67 Chevelle convertible and a 59 uh, El Camino. El Camino, uh, uh, yeah. They're huge music fans. And he's like, no, you got to see that Blues Brothers 2000 because there's some awesome bands in that film. There's some awesome acts. Even though the storyline's kind of hokey. Um, so it was on our recent uh, camping trip that I had told you about where we went to the uh, Good Guys show in Nashville. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, we went back to Rick and Linda's camper, which was parked next to ours, and ended up watching the Blues Brothers 2000. And that was the really? first time I saw the whole film. And he was right. There, there are some tremendous musical acts in that. Uh, from Sun Seals and BB King and and Sam or Dave, which I forget which one, and uh-huh. and of course the Blues Brothers band and everything else. So it, it, yeah. it, uh, the story is a little bit weak, but the music is really awesome. So that was cool. Right on, man. Yeah, totally well, cool. Well, I'm glad uh, I'm glad Rick and Linda helped you expand your horizons. Yeah, you know if <laughs> you know people do that if I let them. <laughs> <laughs> Right on. <laughs> People try. They're like, you know, your horizons really need some expansion over here, pal. <laughs> <laughs> and I, uh, I'm fortunate to have that opportunity. So Very good. All right, man. Well, this uh, this was a good show. Yeah, totally. I dug it. I feel we covered quite a bit of ground. And uh, we're still doing well, I think, on the iTunes and the ratings thing. Yeah, we're still top 20, top uh, 20. on iTunes. I think we, we were at 15, but we took a little slide. But yeah. that's okay. We're still top 20. Uh, we're still number two on Podchaser. Dynamite. And, uh, yeah, and on the other platforms, I don't think they uh, they have rankings like that. But if they but I'm did. sure we're number one on all of them. That's right. Oh, we'd be <laughs> top dogs. That's right. Free that's winners, right. all of them. Yes. Well, and I, I'd like to welcome, I think we picked up a couple of listeners from the uh, Muscle Car of the Week crowd because uh, I, I threw us a little bone. Uh, in a recent episode yeah. of Muscle Car of the Week, and and a lot of people didn't know. I mean, people just you, you, they just don't know. So yeah. some of, some of them listen and they go, "Yeah, I didn't need to know." <laughs> 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 um, yeah, that happens. Yeah. All right. Yeah, but that's, to everybody that's, else, that's uh, we thank you for hanging with us. Uh, you can obviously hear us on iTunes, on our Facebook page, on V8Reader.com, on Stitcher Radio, on Google Play, on, on uh, TuneIn Radio, on the uh, Podchaser app, um, the Playa app. Remember about that one? Uh, there's a, there's oh, a yeah, app. yeah, there's, yeah. Playa, Playa. There's a lot of aggregate uh, uh, sources that take our feed and, and share it. So wherever you're listening, uh, you know, welcome and we appreciate it. And uh, I think that's about all I got, my friend. Me too, man. You, you said it all. All right. Well, listen, <clears throat> as always, it was a great time. And uh, I'm Kevin Osley for Mike Clark. Uh, try to keep the shiny side up, and we will talk to you next time on V8 Radio. <laughs>